On this edition of the Scott Radley Show podcast, we are talking about a new poll that says six in 10 Canadians think there's a problem with the culture of hockey. Is there? We're also going to be chatting about new interest rate increases that are coming again. Not, not, not the ones from a couple of weeks ago. New ones again. At what point does this become a problem? Lots to talk about today. Stick around. Today on the Scott Radley Show on 900 CHML. We've talked about it a couple times already this year because it keeps happening. And people, well, analysts and quote, quote, experts keep raising and ringing alarm bells. And yet it keeps happening, which may mean that the alarm bells are not needing to be rung or it might mean that there's coming a day when they if you cry wolf long enough a wolf will finally appear i want to bring in marvin Ryder from the degroot school of business uh, to join us today marvin thank you for this am i the wolf in this story i would think not you've you've okay. been the voice of calm in this uh, as i recall but let, let's talk about what we're talking about here the bank of canada is set to announce another significant rate hike on wednesday up to three right. quarters of a point i think this is the sixth one this year there have been, and this is all to try and bring down inflation. Mm-hmm. And every time this has happened, as I say, there have been those who have w- r- screamed that this is going to cause a huge recession. This is going to be a problem. Is there a point, though, Marvin? And it hasn't happened yet. But is there a point at which inevitably what they're saying comes true? Well, a, a couple of ways I can take that for you. So the first is we know that whatever the Bank of Canada does tomorrow takes some number of weeks, maybe even some number of months before, because, before it truly goes through the economy. And so those pundits who've been saying, OK, stop, stop. For instance, just this week, Jagmeet Singh, the leader of the NDP, said, look, enough, enough. Let it let it coast for a while. And of course, the flip side of the coin is if if you coast and it doesn't do what you want it to do and inflation continues to be high, there are implications for that. So the, they're trying to walk this middle ground. They're trying to bring down inflation into something more in the 2 to 3% range, while at the same time not triggering a recession. Cool the economy, slow it down, but not so far as you put it into a recession. Now, so far, we've escaped, escaped 2022. Um, we don't quite have all the data for September just yet, but it looks like the third quarter this year will still be okay. Maybe the fourth quarter, we'll see some shrinkage in the economy. So that would take us until April of next year before we can declare a recession. We also think that when we do have a recession, and I think it's probably now more likely than not, it should be more of what we would call a technical recession, meaning that, yes, the economy shrinks two consecutive quarters, but it'll shrink very, very tiny, a very little amount, and at the same time, we'll still have relatively full employment. Now, this week, Christia Freeland did the job she was supposed to do, which is to warn and say, look, you know, there may be bad times ahead. Buckle up. But I would remind Christia that at this moment, with our uh, unemployment rate at 5.3%, we also have nearly a million jobs unfilled. So even if some of the existing companies wind up laying some people off and creating unemployment, we also have a lot of jobs unfilled that will take those people back into the employed world. So I think we'll get through this not that bad. But the question is, and the one that you raised correctly, well, how much higher can we go? Tomorrow, the Bank of Canada is going to revisit the rate. I had been hoping that maybe maybe we'd only have a quarter percent jump tomorrow. But when we got the inflation data for September, inflation only went from 7% to 6.9%. I was actually hoping it'd be down to maybe 6 
6.5 or 6.3. If it had been, then I would bet on the smaller increase. Given that it dropped so marginally, I'm still hopeful that tomorrow the Bank of Canada may only raise interest rates a half a percent, but that's about a 50-50 gamble. The other half say it'll be 75 basis points or three-quarters of a percent. But we still believe this is going to stop happening. We do believe inflation will slow, um, probably not get down to 2% by Christmas time, but into some point in 2023. And if we do slide into a recession, that'll be very mild. But again, all of this takes months to, imp- uh, to go through. And yes, much like we now know in hindsight, the Bank of Canada should have started raising their interest rates sooner than they did. Because, of course, Omicron appeared at the start of this year. It's quite possible that by March or April of next year, we'll say, well, you see, I told you in October you went too far. You shouldn't have stopped. We won't know until several months down the road. Right. It's like turning around a giant tugboat. It takes a while to get the thing uh, pointed in the right direction. Right. So... As I said at the top, every analyst, every expert has an opinion. Let me throw one at you here. This is from David McDonald, senior economist with the Canadian Centre for Policy Alternatives. And what he is saying here is this has this had to happen. However, here's his quote. The bank, speaking of the Bank of Canada, the bank convinces Canadians they will likely cause a recession if they don't get spending down. And it creates this psychological effect where Canadians think they're becoming less wealthy, so they decide to spend less. He's saying, essentially, we not may not be physically, economically in a technical recession right now, but psychologically, everyone is bracing for that and already preparing themselves. We're Mentally, we're almost there now. Right. So what we wind up doing is creating the recession that we're trying to avoid. And and this is a very good point. You know, I don't know how many different people stop me on the street because they hear me on your program or see me on TV, and they'll say, so how bad is it right now? How bad is it? And I say, it's it's not bad right now. There's no, there's no real reason to be all that upset. Now, I understand if you had a mortgage and at the start of this year, interest rates were well lower than they are right now. They've jumped up nearly 3%. You're not a happy person. But if you look at any other measure, unemployment data, what have you, we're not doing all that badly right now. So I don't want people to talk themselves into this. I'll give you another example of that. It was early last week that uh, our nice friends at Deloitte, the accounting firm who had partnered with Leger, the big uh, polling firm, came out with a poll that said Canadians looking at Christmas this year are planning to spend $1,500 less per couple. I saw that, yes. And you go, yes. oh my God, $1,500 less? This is going to be disastrous. Now, I will tell you that every year Deloitte teams up with Leger, every year they do this poll, and every year Canadians say, this is the year we're going to tighten our belts a little bit. <laughs> and then in January, when we see what happened, well, we intended to tighten our belts, but now I'm not saying they're lying. What I'm saying is that people give the answer they think is appropriate at that time. I still think that when Christmas comes, we're still going to, you know, put that feast on the table, even if the feast is a little more expensive, and we're starting to go and get the kids all the gifts that they need because that's what we do. But if we talk ourselves into a very frugal or austere Christmas, then again, we may have the recession that we're trying to avoid. Uh, One more thing very quickly, because we're short on time. But one of the interesting things about this, for the longest time, our interest rate was so low that if we had run into financial problems, we really didn't have that tool to be able to lower it. Now that it's gone up, 
Is this a reset so that if we do get into problems, we could lower them again? I mean, this could become a up and down and up and down, but we, we now have some capability to use that as a tool to help. Correct. So let me say that a little differently. The Bank of Canada doesn't want to do up and down, up and down, up and down like a yo-yo. They want to try to move these rates very slowly in one direction and pause for a while. If they need to, they'll move them slowly in another direction down the road. But you're absolutely right. When we were at a quarter of percent, which was the Bank of Canada rate, there was no further room down. There was no way you could stimulate anything. Now, maybe they have raised them too high. Maybe come March we say, oh, you know, they're too high. Well, guess what? They can start taking them back the other direction. But they do try to move slowly so we don't get this whiplash or yo-yo effect as we go. But now we've got some wiggle room in case that there is a really bad recession. And again, I don't want to scare anyone, but we still have this war going on in the Ukraine. We still have for lack of a better term, maybe a crazy guy running Russia, you know, he drops a couple of nukes. I don't know where any of this is going to go. So, you know, I think the Bank of Canada is doing the right thing, given what we know. But there are lots of things that we don't know that could also cause some severe things. But now we've got the tools to deal with those. Marvin Ryder from the Negroot School of Business. Thank you, as always, for this. Always appreciate it. Glad to be with you. You're listening to the Scott Radley Show podcast on 900 CHML. Monday was election night. Thus, we passed over our usual time with my next guest. Uh, but we wanted to bring him in because we got a lot to talk about in a few minutes that we have. It's not quite as long as usual, but Don Robertson from Dundas, Ontario, from the Dundas Real McCoys, from Calm Choice Realty, a man who, he does a lot of stuff. He's here with us now. Don, how are you tonight? I'm good, Scott. How are you? I am okay. You know what? Um, I was going to ask you some election stuff, but I'm not going to. Because, you know what, we're going to move on to something else and we'll see how time goes and whether we get to that at the end. Because I know you're very engaged in the election. I know uh, I know that's something that matters to you and politics has been something you follow closely. We'll, we'll see how we do with that. But shortly before I came on tonight, I became aware and I hadn't realized this was out and I don't know why I missed it, although it just came out today. But I just heard it late in the day. Um, Ipsos did a poll asking people about hockey culture. You're very involved in hockey as well for many, many years in a lot of different levels. And six in 10 Canadians essentially say that they're, they believe there is a problem with hockey culture. What do you think about that? I think there has been. I'm not convinced it's relevant today to the same level that it has been in the past. Um, there's the past, uh, will not reflect well on a lot of people, including myself that have ran hockey teams. Fortunately, I've never run a junior hockey team. I've had opportunities, but declined. Um, but I think the culture's changed. I think it's like a lot of things in the world. Um, quite bluntly, we've all smartened up. Um, but I think it's changed. So I think for 2022, I'm not sure it's as relevant as it has been. But the fact is that all we really have is history to talk about and not anything else. So, and Hockey Canada and the, the challenges that they have clearly had have not been kind to today's game. And uh, so, although the um, issue was 2018, 
the world seems to change at uh, uh, breakneck speed. And I think it's far better than it was in 2018. And it'll be far better in 2024. I don't think it's as bad, but it's not perfect. Well, one of the things, and I should share one other number, because my initial reaction when I heard this, and I'm glad that this number was also reflected by the people in the poll, um, my initial reaction was I, I don't dispute the fact that there have been issues with hockey, but I think that if you were to examine every other sport with a fine tooth comb, you would probably find issues as well. They asked that question as well. 85% of Canadians feel hockey is no different from other sports when it comes to sexual harassment and violence. Um, that to me is one of the interesting things that with all the discussions that we've been having over the last little while, in a lot of ways, Don, I, I kind of think that this discussion about Hockey Canada, while it's merited, has been a little like when we did the Dubbin Inquiry and nobody else in the world did. And it sheds light that is not complimentary on, in the Dubbin Inquiry's case, the Canadian track and field team under Charlie Francis. But I think that most people who watched that said, well, wait a second, what's going on in the rest of the world? Because surely we're not the only ones. And, and that, to me, was one of the things here. Not to, not to take away from whether hockey had its problems, but is hockey worse than baseball or soccer or football or whatever else? And, and I'm, I'm not sure it is, although it's wearing it a lot more right now. Well, it's, you're a damn fool if you think that hockey only in Canada has an issue. And I, when I say that, I agree with you that multiple sports will have them. Gymnastics in the U.S. just went through a dreadful, dreadful revealing time and all those sports. And if you get a bad apple like a Graham James, then and you offer those guys an opportunity to coach junior hockey players and young men, it's like shooting fish in a barrel. I mean, it just attracts those kind of people. So great steps have been taken to prevent that. 2018 wasn't like that, but you know what I mean? So uh, that fiasco in junior hockey with Sheldon uh, Kennedy and everybody else shone a light on it. A lot of improvements were made. You would be nuts to think that it's only isolated to hockey. But I can tell you, I just read a book that Justin Davis, uh, who played for us, you um, did a column on, column on Justice, Justin. He won an Allen Cup with us, and it's Conflicted Scars, and it goes through his minor hockey days, the, the, the struggles with it, Junior C, Junior B, the OHL. It's a very telling and revealing book, but uh, JD is probably 42 now, so that was, you know, 20 years ago plus. But in, the, in that era, uh, a lot of things that went on, hockey really should be ashamed of. But I agree with you. I'm not convinced that hockey is the only sport in Canada or on the planet that has those issues. And it's sad. It doesn't make – I'm not making excuses for hockey because there's no place for it in our game. But there's no place for it in minor sports and in junior sports. It's it's a tragedy, and I can see why people think that with all the 
uh, kerfuffle about Hockey Canada right now. I mean, I get it. But I think a lot of steps have been taken to fix it. And I'm proud of that. Not proud of the past, but proud of the efforts that I'm aware of to fix those problems. Do you think, though, Don, and, and here is the, if you're a fan of hockey, and, and it's very difficult because if you talk about hockey, the game, in this context, it sounds like you're poo-pooing the underlying problems. We're not doing that. We're, we both acknowledge that there have been issues there, and neither of us are saying that it was good or acceptable or anything like that. But if you are a fan of hockey, I do wonder what the what the move is here because I, I I think that there is a very good chance that this makes a lot of people decide not to get involved in the game in the first place. And I don't know how you win people back. Even if even if you've completely cleaned it up, if this is now the reputation and perhaps a well-earned reputation, but if this is now the reputation, even if it's been cleaned up, I'm not sure how you then convince people all is well, come back to the, come back to the fold. Well, I think I, I think it would be wrong for the general public, if you're talking about your kids about getting in the game, to say that the game is flawed. The game isn't flawed. The game has flawed people. It, it's had them in the past. It's been. It was probably worse in the past. And when I say it's it's worse in the past, is because people like that now know they can't get away with stuff. So they try less. So the bad people have kind of been pushed out of the game. So I think that's what's changed. The other thing, pardon me, you can blame the culture of the game. You can blame what you've talked about. I think the real enemy of the game is the cost. Kids' hockey sticks are anywhere from 100 to 200 bucks. Uh, I was in uh, Max uh, Sports. Uh, who's our sports supplier, looked at a kid's stick. It was $400. I didn't spend $400 on collectively on every hockey stick I ever bought playing the game. A couple of guys uh, in the McCoy's room were talking last week, and the one guy said, I like skates, but the pair I'm looking at, $1,300, so I'm going I'm to tough it out with these ones. $1,300. Now, they'll be top-end skates. These guys are former pro hockey players, not used to buying their own skates. So if you wonder why uh, uh, registration is declining, it's the cost of stuff. Ice time is expensive. Um, equipment is outrageous. Can you, and, and, you know, kids aren't paying 1300 bucks. These are pro guys talking about skates, but skates are three or 400 bucks. You can... These sticks were on the rack for $400. For heaven's sakes, who's spending $400 on a hockey stick for their kid? I mean, that, that would drive you to the cuckoo. Well, I tell you, I tell you, Don, and this is this is something that I, it, it, it's the, it's people who have money who are now playing the sport, and I agree with you, and it's something that I have, it's, it's, I've thought about this a lot, and that is how many, we look at Sidney Crosby, we look at Connor McDavid, we look at Austin Matthews, all their families, had some money to put their kids in the sport. I wonder how many other Canadians, and I'm just limiting it to Canadians, how many other Canadians there are who might might have been the next Wayne Gretzky or might have been the next Connor McDavid, might have had that kind of skill who never got into the game because of the money. I mean, is there a chance that there were there was someone out there who was 
would have been or would or was possibly better than Wayne Gretzky, better than Bobby Orr, but never took up the game because money kept them out of it. And I bet you well, that not, there is, and that would be terribly sad. Not better than those two, but better than you and I for sure. Why not? You know why not? No, but I no, and that's the problem. You don't know, but that is kind of now. When you talk about those two guys, generally speaking, it wasn't money that would keep them out of the game, right? It was. I mean, the costs were much lower. Oh, back then, back then, no, yeah. no, you, you, you. Oh, well, look. I mean, what was? Where did Wayne Gretzky learn to play? He played on his rink in his backyard that his dad made largely and also on the Nith River outside Paris and then you know I don't even know how much he would have paid to play for the Nadrovsky Steelers or the other Brantford teams or when he went to Toronto but nothing like now nothing like now I mean I mean and 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 Don imagine for a second Wayne Gretzky's dad what, what was it like a Bell Canada repairman yeah Walter yeah Walter was a Bell Canada lineman or repairman or something not a guy who's making a huge amount of money if Wayne Gretzky was coming along today, it, it is not unreasonable or not crazy to say he may not have gone into rep hockey. That's a good point. Well, and it, it, I think I started it. I said some of the decline in registration is not the culture of the game. That's, I, I don't like, you know, that's how we kind of started this as the culture of hockey. I don't think that's the culture of the game as much as it is the cost of the game because it's, it's, it's driven people out of the game and it's parents and it's other people. Cause I'm sure you can pick up a stick for 45 bucks, but everybody wants their kid to have the $400 stick. And um, if, if everybody's not going to the NHL, so just let your kids go out and have fun. I mean, I, I would suspect I didn't say it before Bobby Orr said it, but the reality is, I mean, I played hockey when artificial ice wasn't even in Linden Arena and it melted. It was over when we went to the ball diamond. These kids and their parents drive kids out of the game because they make them play every, every week of the year. They make them work on edges. I mean, I would say a third of my hockey team the Dundas Real McCoys have had or does make a living teaching hockey year round. And, and, and they're hired as personal coaches for guys. You know what? Your kid is not going to the national hockey league. Well, and, well, and, and, and more money, Justin, more money. Justin, Justin Davis's book, um, conflicted scars talks about that. You know, don't plan on your kid going to the NHL. Let them play and have fun. Relax. And I think it's cost more than I think that people may use that as an excuse now, but it really is the cost. It's very expensive. Well, if you if you are a parent who is not wealthy, then you've got a kid who's got lots of energy and wants to play sports. What is your choice in the wintertime now? Your kid could play indoor soccer. I don't know what the cost is for that. I truly have no idea. It's going to be more than outdoor soccer, I'm guessing, because of the field rental indoor and stuff. But, Or you could play basketball. Or you could play volleyball. And both of those, you show up with a pair of sneakers and a pair of shorts, and you're good to go. Well, yeah, I, I, I've used that simplistic argument before, but I would push back 
from this aspect. Those same parents, if they're talking about the $400 hockey stick, are going to make sure the kids have got $250 sneakers. Oh, no, you I'm not talking drive, about, yeah, I'm not drive, talking about those parents. Cost up too, but I get it. You can uh, give a care. If you want your kid to play soccer, you don't have to buy him anything because he's already got shorts and a running shirt or in running shoes. And you know what? The team is going to give him a, a, a Timbit shirt. Yeah, and I'm not even talking about those parents, John. I'm not talking about the ones who can afford to buy the stick. I'm talking about the ones who can't. And now you look in the wintertime and say, my kid's got all this energy. He wants to do something in sports. I can't afford hockey, but look, basketball is a pair of running shoes and $100 for the whole winter. I'm in. And then all of a sudden, a kid who might have been a great hockey player never gets into it, and suddenly they're into basketball. And if they're a good athlete, they'll do well in basketball. We, we just we have no idea how many good kids that sport has lost either because of this poll, because of the culture, or because of the prohibitive cost. But I bet it's an awful lot. Yeah, I'm not sure it's a poll as much as it is cost, but I, I, uh, I, I agree. I mean, it's just it's a combination of things, but I wouldn't lump it all onto the culture of hockey. I agree with you. I think all sports have their issues. Hockey's are, it's our biggest sport in Canada for us right now. It's our game, as we call it. Uh, it may not even be the biggest sport in Canada anymore, but we all get it. We, you know, hockey's a big part of our culture. So it takes front and center like the Dublin Inquiry did. I don't disagree with that at all. Anybody that thinks Ben Johnson was the only guy getting a shot in the butt so he'd run faster is nuts. Well, we learned we learned not long after that that was not true. Um, there was a book that came out by a British author who I had on my show a long time ago. He since passed away, but it was called The Dirtiest Race Ever or Dirtiest Race Ever Run or something. And it went through how so many of the guys in that race in Seoul had at some point or another tested positive for something. There were two only that didn't at any point. And and your example of the gymnasts in the States, Michigan State University, I believe, if I recall correctly, and the U.S. gymnastics team, you're right. Uh, I think if you dig down, you will find this stuff. Unfortunately, unfortunately, I think you will dig down and find this stuff anywhere you look if you dig hard enough. It's there. And, and it's terribly and much, sad, but how, it's true. How much has it been hushed up? That's another disgrace. We, we are... Um, exposing our disgraces, as you mentioned. Nobody else did a Dublin-like inquiry on their Olympic athletes because they didn't want to mention the Russians. If they did it, they said, no, no, we're all fine. Uh, yeah, that, that well, look, I mean, <laughs> that is clearly not happening. All you have to do is watch that uh, watch that movie. What is it on Netflix, on Netflix um, about the Russian doping uh scandal and i'm forgetting the name right now but uh yeah that that was not going to happen anyway it's a uh, it's an interesting one the um, people can go and find more on this uh, it just it, it's um just type in six in ten canadians and hockey if you want to read this the entire outline of the poll there is is there from ipsos there's some interesting numbers and and you know parts of it that are very negative about hockey and parts of it that that do point at some other things and some other uh some other issues, but it's, it is worth a read. Anyway, Don, we never did get around to the election, but that's okay because uh, we'll do that another day. Uh, Don Robertson, well, always do appreciate you taking a few minutes on a, well, usually a Monday, but on a Tuesday this week. 
the election would be an hour long show, Scott. Well, last night it was about seven hours long and uh, still didn't get it all covered. So, listen, really appreciate it, Don. Thanks for the time. All right, Scott. Thank you very much. The Scott Radley Show. Weekday evenings from 6 to 8 on 900 CHML. The Scott Radley Show podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Scott Radley. Thanks again for listening, and do not forget to subscribe to this podcast. It is free. You will never miss an episode. And also, be sure you rate us and review us. Whatever you think of us, we'll take it. Thanks for listening.